finished Psalm 18. We're back in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Going through the life of David is uh, a great adventure. It really is. And we see David in his heights and we see him in his lows. But Israel wanted a king like all the nations around them. And Saul, King Saul, he filled that political void that was there uh, in Israel. But now Saul, he's been killed in a battle with the Philistines. And not only Saul, but his sons are killed with him, Jonathan and two other sons of Saul. And it was customary in that area of the world to have what they call dynasty succession. And it was prominent all around Israel. And all that means is when the king died, his sons would take over. But David was appointed king of Israel by Samuel before Samuel died. So now Saul is dead and there's there's a political vacuum there in Israel, and who will replace Saul? There was also some strong army generals uh, there, and they had a keen interest as to who would be the next king. But uh, we have David at the death of Saul, and he writes a song or a psalm, and he honors David, uh, David honors Saul and Jonathan. He even calls for a fast to be there upon Israel at this time as they mourn the loss of their first king, Saul. But the question becomes now, who will rule all of Israel? So let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 2. And we'll go through the first seven verses. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinam and the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabez-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabez-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, and you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you also. And I will uh, will repay you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened, be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me, king over them. First thing we read of David here is he inquired of the Lord. David prayed. Some of you are familiar with Corrie Ten Boom, and she she asked a question, 
and it's, it's a good question. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? It's tell my prayer life increases greatly is when my needs increase greatly. <laughs> David's key to greatness, though, is found in David's desire to be led of the Lord. Notice the sequence. Shall I go up to Judah? Go up. To what cities? Hebron. And David obeys. He goes to Hebron with his 400 men and his wives. And the elders of Judah come and they anoint David as their king. Verse 4. They tell David the men of Jabesh-Gilead were the loyal ones of Saul who went and took his body off the wall and buried him. And you have to wonder a little bit, were they testing David to see how he would react to the fact that his mortal enemy Saul is now dead? But Jabez Gilead, you can't take this away from them, they showed mercy to King Saul. And I think all of Judah is pleased with David's blessing of Jabesh Gilead. But Judah, they now have a king of compassion. David blesses uh, Jabesh Gilead, and he says, I want God to show you kindness and truth. What a great thing to be shown, kindness and truth. Now, there are scores of people who never question their belief system for validity or for truth. There are those who observe the Muslim religion, thinking Allah, they thank Allah for their perceived truth of being born a Muslim and being in the Muslim religion. And we often hear the phrase, Allah be praised. How about the Hindus? They worship hundreds of different gods. And therefore, their feeling is there must be some truth, at least in some of our gods. But each and every major religion of the world feels that they worship in truth. But as a person, as an individual, have you ever sought out truth for yourself of your belief system? Why do I believe what I believe? If you were to take a poll, most people that consider themselves religious believe they were fortunate to be born and raised into the truth of their religion. And this trickles all the way down to denominations in the Christian faith today. Where were you born and what church did you happen to be born into? I was not born into the Calvary Chapel system. It came about, really, when I was a teenager. But I sincerely believe, as we seek the truth of God 
for our lives, God, by His Spirit, by His Holy Spirit, will be our teacher. If you seek the truth, God will answer that. In John 14, Jesus gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit to be given. And then he tells us what the work of the Holy Spirit will be. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I, speaking of Jesus, said to you. The Holy Spirit will bring forth the Word of God to us. The Holy Spirit, our Helper, given by the Father, He will teach us. Teach us all things, and not only that, He'll cause us to remember them. Remember the words of Jesus. Now, let me give you a little history of me. For some of you, that's no big deal. Some of you have heard it, but I'll mention it. I was raised in a Pentecostal home. My mother was hyper-Pentecostal. She did. She found the, what I considered the sort of most radical church, and that's the one we would attend. Uh, but I was exposed to gifts of the Spirit at an early, early age, or what the Pentecostals called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as a teenager, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and given the gift of tongues. Now, between me and the Lord, that is sort of a private gift, and it allows me to pray what the Lord would have me pray over circumstances that I don't always know how to pray about. So I consider a very good gift, the gift of tongues. But as I grew older in my mid-20s, I was living life. I had my job as a tooling engineer, and I was dividing my church time between a little Lutheran church and a Pentecostal church. Now, there's a spread. <laughs> uh, and on the job, a friend that was familiar with Chuck Smith, he said, you ought to listen to this guy, Don. He's, he's good. And so I tuned in to K-Wave. Some of you might be familiar with K-Wave, still going out in Southern California. But Chuck Smith was the founder of Calvary Chapel. And the very first teaching that I listened to on Chuck, he was teaching on the Holy Spirit. Hmm. To say I was a skeptic is an understatement. After all, I'm a Pentecostal lad in belief and in practice. And I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I definitely believe that the Pentecostal churches had corner on the market with the Holy Spirit. We did. Others believed in the Holy Spirit. We experienced the Holy Spirit. Can you say spiritual pride? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> But as Chuck was teaching on this radio pro program, I was transfixed. It's a wonder I didn't get fired because I'd walk over to my radio in a tool room and just sit there and listen to the guy. I was totally caught up in his teaching. For Chuck was teaching what I was living and where I was. 
I must confess, as a young man in a Pentecostal church, as I had seen a lot of things done in the flesh during the church services, and they were attributed to the Holy Spirit. But Chuck, he believed and taught right where I was at without hype. And I became a listener of Chuck Smith on the radio. And now it comes full circle where I am today, a Calvary Chapel pastor. But I received the teaching that was sent by God on his Holy Spirit. David begins his kingship. He becomes king of Judah by seeking the Lord for direction. And then he's told of Jabesh Gilead and their kindness and truth that they showed King Saul. And David blesses them for their kindness to Saul and his family. And David begins his reign as king on a compassionate, positive note. Honoring a people that had honored his king and his family, Jonathan and his family, with kindness. David surprised many of his contemporaries with his loyalty towards Saul. I think the southern kingdom of Judah is happy that they have a king and they embrace their new king that's got a heart of compassion. The northern kingdom, Israel, will follow Saul's one remaining son, uh, Ishbosheth. They will make him their king. So let's read verses 8 through 11 here. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanam. And made him king over Gilead, over the Azurites, the Jezreel, and over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And, <clears throat> and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So we have the nation of Israel divided here. Judah, the southern kingdom, following David. Israel, the northern king, kingdom, is following Saul's son. And the generals play into this. The general Abner is of the north, and Joab is David's general of the south. And there's this tension of which will become the greatest. Which kingdom of Israel, will it be the northern kingdom or will it be Judah? And so we read now 2 Samuel verses 12 and we'll go all the way through chapter 3 verse 1. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanam to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zuriah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. 
So they sat down, one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose, <clears throat> went over by number, twelve from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, and the son of Saul, and the twelve from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the, by the head and thrust his sword in the opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore the place was called the field of the sharp sword, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the three sons of Uriah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Aziel. And Aziel was, a, was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. That's meaning quick. So Aziel pursued Abner, and in the going he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Aziel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left, and lay hold of one of the young men, and take his armor for yourself. But Aziel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said to Aziel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother, Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt end of the spear, so that the spear came out his back, and he fell down there, and he died on the spot. So it was that as many as came to the place where Aziel fell down and died, they stood still. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Amah, which is before Gia, by the road of the wilderness to Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit, and they took their stand on the top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brother? And Joab said, As the Lord lives, unless you had spoken surely, then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel any more, nor did they fight any more. Then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain, crossed the Jordan, and went through uh, Bethron and came to Mahanam. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, they were missing of David's, seven, David's servants, 19 men, and Aziel. But the servants of David had struck down Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men who died. Then they took up Aziel and buried him in the father's tomb, which is in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron, at daybreak. Now the first verse of chapter 3. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. The general, the general of Israel Beth is Abner, 
and he happens to be Saul's cousin. So this is a family affair. And Joab, David's general, happens to be David's nephew. So Israel is in the midst of a civil war, and all it is is a gigantic family feud. These generals, they come together at the pool there in Gibeon. Abner, he's kind of itching for a fight. And he challenges Joab and the men of David. And he says, let the young men now compete and battle each other. And it's 12 on 12, and they kill each other. 12 killing 12. No one survived. But then a fierce battle ensues, and David's men prevail. Abner flees, but Aziel, the marathon runner, chases Abner, and he will not give up the chase, and he will not turn aside. Abner ends up killing him. And Joab, Aziel's brother, continues the chase of Abner. Abner, he stops running, and he calls to Joab, and he asks for peace. Joab listens, and he blows the trumpet, and the chase ends. Then there's an account of those that have been killed. David's troop have lost 19 men and Aziel. Abner has lost 360 men. This is a bittersweet victory for David and his troops. And then verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, David grew stronger and stronger. Abner, Saul's general, grew weaker and weaker. The pure numbers of who was killed tells us God is with David, but he's against Abner and Ishobeth. You can't help but notice the, the analogy here. Saul, he's a symbol of sin and self. David, a symbol of our Savior. And you have a microcosm here of a Christian's life. As we live our Christian life and we go through all our trials and all our uh, battles and all of, you know, the spiritual things that we go to, through, when you look back upon it, look back in years, not a few weeks, but when you look back, we see ourselves and we're growing stronger. Maybe you don't see that in a week or two or maybe even a month or so. But when you look back over the years, you should see that you're growing stronger in the Lord. Now we have setbacks. We have ups and downs, probably more than we would like. But our journey with the Lord and the trials and the events that our Lord takes us through by his spirit is guiding us, leading us teaching us to be mature. We need to show a growth in our lives 
a growth of maturity towards our Lord and Savior. If we only look, if you only look at the last week, it, it can be difficult to see growth. So look back, a, if you can, look back a, perhaps a year, maybe two years, three years. Is there growth there? Get a, get a picture of the overall, more than a few weeks. God is faithful. And he who began a good work in us, he will complete it. That's his responsibility. God had a plan for David. And here's the good news. God has a plan for each and every one of us. We are the work of God. God would desire that we grow stronger and stronger. So the things we go through are to strengthen us, to mature us. And God is doing a good work. We are his poem, his work of art. Enjoy your journey with the living God. Amen. Let me, let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you don't quit on us. You work with us, bringing us into that place of stability, bringing us into that maturity that we would just simply uh, be obedient to you and bear fruit, Lord. That is your plan for us, just to be fruitful. So, Lord, we desire that also. By your Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, you be our teacher. You be the one who leads us. You be the one who guides us. Lord, we, we have grown weary of doing our own thing, Lord, and we want to follow close after you. Grant our request to just be mature believers. And we want to grow stronger and stronger the way David grew in you, Lord. So do this good work. Be our teacher by your spirit and help us to just learn obedience from the way you lead us and guide us and watch over us. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you desire prayer or have a prayer need in your life, there'll be people in our little prayer area that would be more than glad to pray with you.